Welcome back to the Unjaded Podcast. This is your host, Alex Miller. In this episode, I sit down with my brother, Kyle. He is the person, for those who don't know the story, he is the person who told me not to become jaded. So he is the entire reason behind this podcast and the name of it. And my reason why I I inspire, try to inspire people not to become jaded is because of him and what he told me. In this episode, we talk about how he went from losing money every single day, just starting out, to being at the top of his game at a very successful high-tech consumer company. We talk about where you first learned about marketing and branding how the best marketers are actually the best wedding DJs, believe it or not, (laughs) when and where great ideas actually happen. People think it's in the meeting, but he believes that's in fact not true. How to go into a meeting with a winning hand. We talk about his beliefs about success and creating a team environment, how he feels about the phrase fake until you make it, and how he deals with every single day's stress. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Again, he is the exact reason why I started this podcast. His story is amazing. He has great advice. He's always had great advice for me. My brother and I are a lot alike, are a lot of things, um, but he is still my number one role model and number one mentor to this day. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Enjoy. You're too young. Oh, it's too high level. You shouldn't publish this yet. This is the Unjaded Podcast. All right. So, happy to have you here. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. So, um, for people who don't know, my brother is the whole reason why uh, Unjaded, the Unjaded is a podcast. Um, he's the one who told me this advice uh, a few years ago, and just whenever I think about uh, what I want to do with this podcast, his story always came to mind to me. He has an amazing story about how he went from never actually having a legit internship <laughs> in college to being head of product at a tech company. Uh, he has all these really cool ideas, and beyond that, he has an entrepreneur mentality, and he's not one of the jaded. So happy to have you here. Happy to be here. So first, we should. I think we should probably start from the beginning, um, starting from college. You know, why you're interested in high tech, uh, your entrepreneurship spirit. Start from there. Got it. Okay. Well, my my story is that I was an athlete and focused completely on sports, and I had no interest in being in technology. I hadn't even thought about it, honestly, um, until junior, senior year of college. Um, you know, ironically enough, like I didn't care what phone I had. I didn't, you know, I was, I could fix a DVD player if it broke in our house, but that was about the extent of my technology capabilities. Um, and then, you know, what, what really kind of started the trend was that we, we worked on a, a project like a, a nonprofit anti-bullying project where I had to build my own website and didn't know how to do it. And figured it out how to do it on like a like iWeb on Apple computers, uh, but it Before got me. Wix. Yeah, it got me interested though, and in having that creative control and through technology. Um, and so that was the starting point of when I was we were trying to get that thing off the ground of like figuring out social media and figuring out websites. Um, so I started actually on the path of like kind of digital marketing. Really, is what it was. Um, but I think the entrepreneurial spirit really just came from the wanting to have the power and the creative control over something and wanting to build something, um, from the ground up and control its image and its brand. I think a lot of that honestly came from, uh, when you're getting recruited as an athlete, 
He played football in college. Yes. But when you're going to recruit as an athlete, that's like, you don't think about it at the time, but looking back on it, it is your first brand project of like controlling your brand, your brand image and how you want to be portrayed. Yeah. Um, and that was looking back on it. That was like the, the first project I ever did around brand that got me, you know, later in college, I was like, Oh, this like doing it for a company is very similar to like, you know, making people want to have you and, um, making yourself attractive to recruiters is very similar to making your company attractive to customers. So, um, that was kind of the genesis of me starting to get into the business world. Right. Well, and then also I feel like even in, I feel like this started from a young age for you too. Like even I feel like in high school with like rally board and you're like always come up with these cool videos and ideas to like make things interesting to people. And I think a really rare skill is that you can do things that you think are cool, but if you can do things that you know other people will think is cool, that's like a very rare thing to have, right? Yeah, I call it like the it's the wedding DJ test. Where <laughs> are you are you the type of person that can, you know, pick the songs, not that you like, but you know will get people out on the dance floor. Right? Oh, and like, I love that. that. That is what I think doing product actually is a lot of, which is you're not building it for yourself, you're building it for you know, the customers. And so it's not about playing your favorite songs. It's literally not about that. It's playing what you know will get you read the room. You're like, all right, there's some old people in the corner. Got some young folks here. I got some, you know, it's like the vibe, reading the vibe of the room, right? And then it's like picking the right song at the right time for you to play to get everyone on the dance floor. And like, that's the metaphor of, I think, what what product really is. is like It's a game of taste. And like, yes, there's, qualitative and quantitative problems you have to understand and business problems you have to understand, but how you execute them is a lot to do with taste. Ooh, I love that. I'm going to use that phrase now. I'm I'm renaming this podcast. Wedding DJ. I absolutely love that. Um, So you are like, hey, I want to get digital marketing. Uh, How do I get my foot in the door? What happened there? Yeah. So uh, senior year of college football was, you know, coming to an end. No, I was not going to make it to the NFL. Gave up on that dream. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, I gave up on that dream. But I started reaching out to someone that I went to middle school with, but like hadn't connected with in a while, who went to my college. And I hit him up. I was like, hey, you work for a digital marketing agency. Can I, can I like intern for you? I'm like, long time no talk. Can I intern for you? He's like, hey, we don't have any internship positions available. I was like, listen, I will do it for free. Like, I have zero experience. Like, I went through all of college where my summers were working out with the team, and, like, I didn't have any internship experience. And so basically my first internship was at a digital agency where I would sit in the the lobby. Well, like, let's start like this. I was not given a computer. I was not given a company email. Uh, I would sit in, like, the common area on a desk, and I had, like, I was not really part of this company, but it was very nice for them to like have me (laughs) and I would just do very like manual tasks, like creating a deck or putting images into a slide deck or uh, Excel spreadsheet inputs or whatever. So in turn. Yeah. But I had, I lost money every single day because I didn't get paid and then they wouldn't pay for my parking on a consistent basis. So I would like pay $15 for parking, (laughs) not get paid and 
go like, you know, go home after. But I think it was very valuable to see the inner workings of company culture then to understand what it was like before actually throwing myself into, into a real company. That was like the more valuable part was like seeing, Oh, these, so this is like how meetings are. And like, this is what people do all day. And like, cause you don't really know until you know. You right. Know? And like so, the business lingo and how people yeah, talk. And... You learn exactly what not to do <laughs> and how not to be. Yeah. Um, but it was valuable. It was a valuable experience that I'm very thankful for. So was this when you were going to school still? Yeah. It was my second semester senior year. So um, how did you get into what, like when you met, you met a mentor of yours that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So I, on the side, I was doing this, this nonprofit thing and I was going to a conference at Brown University to speak about ironically how you know the future social change has a lot to do with you know utilizing technology for the millennial generation which sounds very old school but back then it was very new idea (laughs) Um, and so I spoke about technology and social change at a conference and in the crowd was um, an individual named Dan who his wife was actually putting on this conference and he came up to me after and introduced himself. And um, I was a big fan of his wife, obviously, a big fan of the conference. And so he's like, hey, let me take you out to lunch, talk to you, talk to you about what we're working on. Um, so he took me out to lunch, told me about the startup that they had. Um, they were pivoting off of this other idea. And they're like, hey, like we, you know, we, you don't have any like, you know, product experience or engineering experience, but you sound like you could do some marketing. And so would love to have you be a marketer. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I'll do like a, I was still finishing up my senior year. I was like, I'll do like a consulting for you guys. And so I like consulted them, like basically like, you know, worked on giving them marketing ideas, like kind of work through some project, like some product marketing stuff. But ironically, we pivoted off of that idea too. But that was a really fun experience because that was my first experience of being close to a product rather than like this intern in the lobby. It was like, I was like talking to the people that built it. Right. You had more like a more responsibility. Yeah. Or at least I was closer in proximity to the people that had responsibility. I wouldn't say I had responsibility, but I like was in close proximity where I got to like learn how they thought. Right. And so I would go on these, like, you know, have these phone calls or go on these walks and these guys, Brian and Dan became mentors of mine. And I would learn like what is product development, what is engineering. Like I have no idea what this world is. Yeah. Um, what is startup? Like what are startups? Um, what is consumer technology? And they had, you know, they were so they were veterans in this world, and they had a team of veterans. There was like eight of them, and they were all veterans in the world of consumer technology. Mm-hmm. And so I just I quickly realized that I was very lucky to be there, and I just like consumed as much as I could from those individuals on the team to a point where I almost became annoying because I was just like, so how do you do this? And like, why? Like I was like, Scott was one of the designers. I would sit and just watch him do design and it was just like fascinated. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, we were, you know, it was, I was just in a room with a bunch of guys who definitely deserved to be there. And I was just lucky to be there for the ride and like doing this consulting gig. Right. Um, but then after I graduated, I went to Southeast Asia. I did not have a job planning on coming back. And I called them when I came back and I was like, so can I work for you guys? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. I, okay, this makes me bring up a, a point before. So even when you're at the conference, okay, I don't feel like this is common. What 
gave you almost like the the confidence or the nerve to even go up and say hi nice conference like really really appreciate you putting this on yeah I think it was so they they came to me he came to me but it was because I so in preparation for this conference I think good things happen if you put in like work and time and sweat equity into something that you have like, you're not going to get the benefit from. So like I was very involved in helping the conference creators mm-hmm. come up with like the curriculum and the courses for the conference and worked so closely with them for no, like anything other than just like wanting to be helpful. Right. Yeah. And they saw me as someone who was helpful. And so um, we got close in that regard because I wasn't asking for anything in return. I wasn't asking like, Hey, can I have another speaking thing? Like I was actually like the second speaker. I wasn't even like the main like speaker of my course section. I was like two, there was two of us and I was just trying to be super helpful. And I think they saw that and they were like, Hey, this guy, like, you know, he's, he's down to do the work and, you know, he's helpful and, you know, has some creative ideas. So, but it it was kind of just like goodwill paying off is really what it was. And I think that's an important, um, yeah, like it's re it's reoccurred in my life a lot, which is you, you do something in the moment. You're not thinking like of the later game of like, Hey, this is what it's going to get me now. You know, you're not asking for anything in return and some things pay off and some things don't, but like, it's having that the intention and goodwill to like just help people out and like make yourself useful and bring your best self there without asking anything in return. And a lot of the times it pays off. I love that. And then going to, you know, you being helpful and then someone seeing um, potential in you. I love this quote. It's like, you don't find mentors, mentors find you. And so what do you think Brian and Dan saw in you besides just wanting to be helpful and, Cause you're just this 19 year old, 20 year old kid that maybe was like, how, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? How can I do this? How can I do this? So what do you think they saw in you? Um, hmm. I think, uh, oh, that's a good question. I think they, I think being in from the football world, I think they saw like the hardworking like aspect of it. I think it's like the easy answer, but I think more, I think I came in very like open eyed and like, you know, bushy tailed and was very excited to be wherever I was. (laughs) And like, that was the, like, that was a very, every day I was like the happiest, you know, person in the office because I was just so excited to be there, you know, and that didn't wear off either. I was just like, no matter what, I was like, this is so cool. Like, (laughs) I'm just lucky to be here. Um, And that was like having that perspective. I think they were, that's a lot easier to like mentor people that are like that they're like oh they're excited to be here i'm excited to teach them stuff rather than like oh here's my opinion on what you guys should be doing like i don't have i didn't have one like i was just (laughs) yeah i was a consultant that didn't have any opinions i was just very open-minded and like listening and learning i should have been paying them honestly (laughs) but um i think that they just saw like an open-mindedness of you know wanting to learn and like that was and you know i had some creativity like I, i think it's funny. I was just talking about this the other day with one of my other friends of like uh, the creativity you learn in sports is a lot around like improv- improvising in situations, right? Like, Oh, things don't go your way. So you have to improvise and like have creative solutions to things. Like quarterback. Yeah. And so a lot of that creativity translated is like you putting things together that have nothing to do with themselves, you know, like, Oh, 
like, you know, this from this industry should go into this industry. Like you should, this element should go into this industry. And that creativity is like when you are new to something, it's super easy to have because you have no skewed or jaded view on like, oh, we can't do that here. Like you have no idea where the ceiling is. And so you just start combining things and you like come up with these creative combinations of things. Um, and that's, that was the creativity I brought to the table because I wasn't a startup person. And so I had no idea. And so I would just come in and be like, hey, I saw this startup doing this one thing. And then I saw this other startup and this whole industry do another thing. What if we like combine those two things and then did this third thing? And like, you know, I just had this perspective where, you know, the, I could, we could do anything rather than like, oh, back in my day, like, <laughs> I know that doesn't work, you know, and they would listen. Yeah. And so I think that I had that kind of creative open-mindedness too that was easy to coach. You're a yes man. It's like, no, we can't do this. No, we can't do this. Yeah, I think they were yes people. You know, I think they were just very open-minded hearing me out. And then, you know, I remember (laughs) we would jam too on just like random ideas. And I remember, um, you know, reading a book and being like, all right, I got an idea. The problem we want to solve is like mail. Like, why don't we still get mail? And like, that is such like, it gets lost. And like, why don't I, isn't there a service where like, you could uh, get mail sent to like this company and then they email you all your mail and like tell you what's important or not. Like when shouldn't that be a thing? And like, I would just be like rambling and they would just be listening and then they would use their expertise to be like, here's why that's a good idea. Here's why it's a bad idea. Here's what you have to think about. And like, it helped me develop frameworks in my mind that I didn't have before. Right. And so it was almost like I had an open field and they were like helping me develop these structures that, you know, Mr. Miyagi me and, to what I would have to do later, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like they taught you how to think essentially yes. or how to pro- solve problems. I love that. So you come back from Southeast Asia, you're like, Hey, can I have a job? And they're like, yeah, sure. So then what happened there? So I got started. I think I was the, I was the last hire they had. Um, what was it? It was like a small app, right? You're a uh, group photo sharing app, which sounds very silly now, but I swear it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Back then. <laughs> um, it was innovative. Back then. It, was, it was cool. It was cool. And I didn't really care what it was, honestly, because I was just excited to be there. And, um, you know, we, I did like grassroots style marketing. So like, you know, think college reps and, you know, parties and events. And I thought that's what marketing was at the time. I thought that's what product was at the time. Like I had this like, yep, yep. Like I'm figuring it out, I'm figuring it out figuring out. And then, um, you know, six months upon me starting there, we're getting, we got acquired by like a multi-billion dollar consumer tech company. And that was like, and they were a rocket ship. And so the different, like that was, that was like going to the big leagues, but like, and I thought I had like the minor leagues figured out when really like I did not. (laughs) And so I like got jumped into the big leagues very quickly at the, and started at the bottom. But that was like a, Oh, there's a lot that I do not know moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would I would show up every day bright-eyed and bushy-tailed like before, but now the now the new interesting problem was is that um that wasn't enough. Like these people that were running this company are like experts and they've been in the game and like they they were a lot I'd, I'd say that they didn't like humor me like the way that Brian and Dan did. They were like they're, you know, question me and be like, why do you think that is? And why do you think that is? Right. And those are the good questions to, to be asked. And it was like this moment where I was going from trainee to now I'm like, all right, time to like perform. Um, and I had to kind of like learn through trial by fire. 
Yeah. And you went from being, I feel like when you're in a startup, you have more responsibility or kind of just like more say your voice is kind of heard a little more like what you were saying. But then when you go into a huge company, it's more of a sit down. This is your job. This is how we streamline things. This is our strategy. Yeah. I mean, this company was, uh, so this company is a different breed. So when I started, it was 20, you know, it was 20 to 30 people, but it was like, you know, worth over a billion dollars and had, you know, tens of millions of people on it. And the, the attitudes of the people there were like, they hit gold. I mean, they did, they lived, they were created the thing that we were trying to create at our startup, right? Yeah. Everyone wants to have that. They created it. Yeah. Right. So they had this, uh, I call it the swagger. Like they had the swagger around, like they know that like they did it. Right. right. Um, Brilliant people. Yeah, and they had the swagger to like rightfully so. And so I would go in there like being like, hey, we should do this and this and this. And they were like, yo, like knock it off. Like, you know, I remember this like moment where I was like teared up in a meeting because this <laughs> my boss at the time, I was like talk I was doing brand partnerships. And I was like talking to all these brands and be like, Yeah, we should do this and this and this. And she was like, Yo, I'm like, cool it down. Like you're you're trying a little too hard. Uh can you just like tone it down a bit? Like you're you're just too eager. You're just too eager. Like you're like when they ask you a question, like you don't answer their question. Like, what are you doing? Like, and I was like, whoa. Like that was my big moment of like, oh my God. Like this is a whole different, whole different. And then that swagger was like, I think on an extreme level that, you know, that you need to find a balance of. But that was like definitely my, you know, welcome to the big leagues moment of like, I have no idea what I'm doing, you know, and I can they I think the biggest fear in start in those types of stars that have blown up like those unicorns is you made it to the top and like it's your it's you it's on you to mess it up or not right and yeah. so like they just don't want to mess it up right. um and bring the wrong people on and so they're very protective rightfully yeah. so and I, and I also think you know so when you were first starting out and you're like I have these ideas and these ideas and they're like no sit down I feel like in that moment you can choose to like sink or swim you can choose to like sit down and actually you know stop coming up with ideas so how did and I know you're not that kind of person so how did you continue to press on and still have positive ideas dude I've like I came up with like hundreds of ideas in eight months like it was just like me chipping away chipping away chipping away and like nothing and like it was like I was just over looking back at my pitches like they were horrible like <laughs> looking back but like I was just I, it was almost like there was a factory reset button that I would hit on a daily basis where like I would leave the day like haggard and then go into the next morning and be like, like a puppy. I was like, yep, here we go. Like, like going to do it again. Going to run back into the fire again. Right. And like almost like forgot all the trauma of like me pitching idea and being told it's, you know, a horrible idea. Yeah. And so, I mean. Where do you think you developed that mindset? Well, you know, the interesting part about this is that the best, you know, one of the best advice I got was from Brian, my mentor, which comes to the name of the podcast, <laughs> full circle, <laughs> full circle, uh, where he's like, Kyle, you know, you're going to encounter a lot of shit and uh, whatever happens, don't get jaded. And, you know, I, I think at first I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, the moment where it really clicked is when, you know, you get hit enough with the nose and like, no, no, calm down. No, no. And then you're like, Oh, this is the jadedness feeling. <laughs> you know? yeah. And you know, you have to, you have to remind yourself every day, like hit the factory reset button, run in there, like, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and be like, okay, we're doing this again. Like, here we go. Cause yeah, you could get smacked down and then just like never come back to the table. 
But instead, I think I went through it more of like, all right, I, after eight months of me, like, you know, going and going and going, I was like, all right, so how I had to, I had to start thinking of it like a chessboard, right? And, you know, you could keep doing the same thing over and over again. And you're like, oh, the ideas are the problem, but really actually has a lot to do with the process of how you even got there, right? This is like the politics of it all. It's actually the chessboard that at that time I started to figure out, which is like, so the first idea, this is a good story. The first idea that I ever actually um, successfully got across the line, like bigger idea, instead of going straight to the CMO or the CEO or my boss and being like, here's my idea. What I did was this. I knew we were going to have a meeting to discuss a certain like project and you know what our creative ideas were about it. And so I went grassroots. I went and sold. There was like, let's say 10 people in the meeting. I sold eight of them Two, the two that I didn't were my boss and the, my boss's boss. Right. I like didn't go to them, but I sold everyone on this, uh, this idea that I had. Right. And I went to them. I was like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. I allowed for their contribution to it. Like, oh, yeah, that's cool. What about this? And I was like, yeah, like add that, right? It's like getting a bill through Congress, right? (laughs) Where you're like, okay, I want to get at, yes, I'll add that. Yes, I'll add that. Yeah, I don't like that. But like, what about this, right? And like, we, I would jam with each one of them. And then I went into that meeting and I remember I had like a, like a very theatrical, like, uh, uh, like a bulletin board that I had like a mood board set out. I was like, Here's my idea. And then, you know, everyone was nodding along, asking questions. I answered them. And then the CMO was like, all right, who, uh, who likes this idea? And all eight people raised their hand. And I was like, oh, so this is how we get ideas through, huh? Because <laughs> it wasn't their first time hearing this idea. And they, like, they, I basically, like, came into that meeting with, um, you know, a full, like, a full deck or whatever. And they felt like they're involved with the process. What? They felt like they're involved. 100%. And yeah, the biggest mistake young people make in business, I think, is they wait for the meeting to talk about what they want to talk about in the meeting, where you can go into the meeting already with the winning hand. And that is how you actually like get your ideas through and get through is like, the meeting is just the arena where the decision is sometimes made. But like, you need to do the work before that meeting to make every make that meeting go well, right? Mm-hmm. Or make sure your idea goes through. So I I took that approach and scaled it to like everything that I did then, right? So like every big meeting or executive meeting I would go in from then on was like, who's in the meeting? Who are the decision makers? I'm gonna go to them individually and like, you know, bu- you know, get the bill through Congress, right? Yeah. And like get them feel bought in, feel like it's our idea. This is everyone's idea. And, you know, then decisions to be made, whose idea should we choose? We should choose this person's, right? And like every time it was just this, this, and it could be on the smallest micro things like, oh, should we choose, you know, red or blue, right? Like you could wait for the meeting for that to happen, but meetings are like, um, they're like gladiator arenas, right? Where people come in sometimes with like hostile intentions, like they just want to fight to fight or like argue to argue. Right. They think like that's what the meeting is, is like to figure it out and chop it up where I started getting to the point where like (laughs) I would even in passing in the kitchen, like knowing someone was going to be (laughs) someone like, Hey, Hey, uh, Hey Joe, real quick. Like, what do you, you know, are you, you think this is a cool idea, right? Like da da da, And I lay it out and she's like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I was like, cool. Like it would be 10 seconds. And then like wrap back around like a week 
and it would be like that idea and it wasn't the first time he saw it and like it was like inception right but it was i got to the point where i was most impactful in getting through this corporate bureaucracy through these um not the formal but through the informal ways of creating influence right and so like i wasn't waiting for these formal times the formal times are you have to be either like the highest paid person in the room or have to like do so much like work and arguing to get it through yeah. it's through the informal times because your guard is down right yeah. like i walk up to you and like hey check this out you think this is cool it's like oh yeah this is cool you present that same thing in the meeting and they all of a sudden they became critical they become critical they're like ah can we move that over a little bit or like i don't I like, like i don't feel like it's their decision yeah. Yeah. 100%. Ooh, mind blown. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> so my next question is, so you go, you get acquired by this big company and you obviously are starting out very entry level, yes. but you climb the ladder very fast. Like think about like when you got in with what, you're 22, 23, <coughs> 20, just turned 23 maybe. Yes. And so you just turned 23. <laughs> and then when, by the time you're 25, 26, you're in a completely different space. And a lot of times people are in the same position, if not just maybe one step above within those couple of years. So how did you do that? Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't me constantly asking for the promotion or anything. I think it was the thing I would keep going through over and over again was, um, you know, everyone, I got the idea from this book called Zero to One, okay? And the Zero to One idea is basically, uh, it's the idea of, like, how to build true innovation. And You don't do ideas that everyone else is, like, working on, but you go to the place of the least competition where no one's paying attention to, mm-hmm. and you, like, build from there, right? And so the, the what that was in my microcosm was everyone would be focused on, like, this campaign or this product or, like, this problem, Right. And it would be a very like packed room all the time. <laughs> I'm like, what is no one focusing on that maybe we should, right? And it was like a lot of the times like the stuff that was like hard or like took a lot of manual labor or like no one wanted to like pick up because it wasn't like as glamorous, right? And I would go and like go do those things, right? Of like the things that no one wanted, but like I thought could be impactful, right? So an example was... Um, you know, there was an election coming up in 2016 and I was like, we should do something with the election. Like no one's thinking about us doing something with the election. And so like during Christmas break, myself and a, a designer that was one of my good friends, we sat next to each other. We just like did it like nights and weekends. We just started like cranking out this idea. Right. And no one was thinking about it. And there was like no one, no competition, no like voices. Right. It was just like us. And like freedom to run because no one cared like no one cared either way they didn't even know and so then when we brought it to the table i was like hey you guys thought about doing this and they're like whoa no and that's like a good answer right and so like instead of trying to play in you know trying to make yourself useful in the place where everyone is making themselves useful right and playing in that arena go to the place that no one is like looking at because everyone's so focused on you know three or five things in a company, right? Like, oh, we got to get ready for this thing or this launch or what have you and go do the stuff that everyone's ignoring but could create in your in your mind like a large impact. And so I'd keep doing that over over again and kind of have my own like self-ownership. So, I mean, another example is like no one wanted to work on with advertising products at my company, right? And I was like, great, 
because I do. And like I've like knew nothing about it, but I like was like, I'll sign me up. Like, I'll go do it. And like it gave me a ton of exposure to new things. I like learned a bunch of stuff, brought a lot of valuable stuff to the table, right? And then they saw that and they're like, oh, that's good. Let's give them a bigger role, right? And then like from there, I would do the same thing, focus on the stuff no one's paying attention to, bring that to the table. So instead of like, I guess the long story short is like how I got it was not asking for the promotions as much as I was creating value in the things that, you know, maybe were less paid attention to. And I got them to be paid attention to and brought like solutions to the table and executed on those rather than um, like fighting over like, you know, a piece of like a small piece of a pie that everyone's trying to eat. Like I was like, I'm gonna go find my own, you know? And that was the, I kept doing that over and over again to prove value because I think too often we focus on the thing that the whole company's focused on, which makes sense. But um you know, it's hard to prove your value quickly when you just have the small piece that you're working on. Yeah, no, totally. And I know that you, so you, I know you're talking about a lot about like cool ideas you've always brought to the table, which has always been true of you in your time with that company. Um, but I do know there are some times where you bring ideas to the table and they're shot down. Even if you've worked so hard on them, they're shot down and it's very easy to get jaded, right? So what do those bad days look like and how do you get out of them? Yeah. Um, I think, I think I've gotten better at, at handling those. I think because I think early in your career, you get, you see a lot of your own value and like the ideas that you create, you're like, Oh yeah. Like this is me. Like I'm feeling like there's such ownership over like my idea and me, me, me. Right. And I think what allowed it to flip for me and made it feel less, you know, shitty on those bad days was, um, when I would, I mean, it sounds like, you know, prototypical, but like it was actually everyone's idea. Like making it everyone's idea allowed almost like a, it's a diffusion, (laughs) it's a diffusion of that bad feeling. So everyone feels a little less, but they feel it right. But it also makes those good times a lot better. Right. So if it was just my idea, right? And I bring it to the table, get shot down. Yes, that is on me. I'm the idiot, right? But if like through the process of getting buy-in through those meetings, like I was talking about, mm-hmm. it is all of our ideas, right? So if all of our ideas get shot down, yeah. it like all of our idea got shot down, basically that's the moment where, you know, you almost have this, uh, you have this like resistance <laughs> movement of like, they all want to fight for it again. Right. And like, they all want to like go after it again and, or, or you all like grieve together. Right. And you have someone to like grieve with like, ah, yeah, like that sucked. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't think of that. Right. But having the people to do that with, um, you know, you don't lose a game as an individual, you lose it as a team and making it like a team thing. So you win and lose together. It, it also involves a lot of taking your ego away of it being your idea. Like you have to get very, if you're going to use this strategy, you have to get, very used to people taking credit for your idea. (laughs) You have to get very okay with that idea of people being like, that was my idea. Like you have to, even if it was your idea and you were like, Hey, like, what do you think of this? And they contributed 1% of it and they go around being like, this is my idea, blah, blah, blah. You have to let it go. Wow. Because that is like, if you want to be successful at this, like making it a team thing, you have to let that part go. Cause I don't know. Another piece of advice I had, I got, recently when this was happening was uh 
success has many fathers and failure is an orphan. <laughs> right? Like when it fails, no one's like, oh, it wasn't my idea. Right. Yeah. But success like it just comes with many fathers and people being like, ah, oh, it was mine. It was mine. Like I saw a dude on LinkedIn like two weeks ago. It was, I am barely even met and was like going around being like, look at my idea, won all these awards. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> but, and you know, I remember the like success of many fathers, right? Cause there's going to be a day where that person's interviewed for a job or, you know, tries to do something themselves and they think in their head that it was their idea. Right. And like they did it and it was all them. About it. Yeah. But then like, who knows actually how to do it or how to, where it came from. And there's going to be a moment of truth. You just have to count on that. Yeah. And so you just have to brush that stuff away. Let the ego go of it being your idea. Like it needs to feel like everyone's idea. And like that allows the good times to feel better and the bad times to feel a lot better as well. Okay. I love that. So another thing I feel like a lot of people struggle with when they're kind of entering into the workplace is that um, their age and lack of experience or lack of experience in quotes, air quotes, um, is always said as a excuse to have, you know, ideas shot down. And I know that happened a lot for you. You still probably get told that. You don't tell anyone your age, right? Like you're not a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen much, but yes. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. And um, so how did you kind of conquer that? Or how did you use your age actually as a strength, not a weakness? Yeah. Um, hmm. I think in my the world I was playing in, I mean, we were focused on a younger audience that was my demographic. So I always had that in my back pocket of like, hey, like, I am the audience. What do you like? I like it was, it came down to taste, right? Like that was, I maybe couldn't win in regards to like, Oh, the experience and history and my record. But I would be like, yo, I know what to get, you know, get, gets these people on the dance floor. Like let's, you know, trust my taste. Right. That was one thing, but you can't always fall. Like that was a lucky scenario of like the audience you care about or that your company cares about happens to be the demographic that you are. Right. Yeah. Like that's not going to be the case for everyone. So I think, right. um, I, th- I honestly think it comes all the way back to like you, it's a game of influence, right? And like, I would, <laughs> it's almost like uh, you get people to sponsor your ideas that do have that history, right? Like, um, you know, someone who has those 10 years of experience, right? Who is like maybe in another like section of your company or on your team and not your boss, um, you know, getting them to sponsor these ideas and being like, yeah, this is dope. Like you guys should do this and here's why. Right. Like, and it comes a lot, you, you understand that we're a lot better when you actually learn from those people. Right. And you're like, you, you invest the time to like learn from the people around you because then you know who will sponsor some, some of your ideas or not and like get that buy-in because then when you go to the boss and the boss is like, well, you don't have any experience to do this. Well, it's like, well, Phil over there has 20 years of experience. <laughs> hey, Phil, come over here. And it's like, hey, Phil, what do you think of this idea? It's like, oh, I love it. You know, it's like, so like you, but it's, it's having that influence. It's a game of influence of like convincing the, you know, Phil in that scenario that your idea is the, is the one that they should go with and them wanting to back you. And like that comes down like the leadership and influence part of it. Yeah. Not the formal leadership, more just like the, the informal leadership of people wanting to go to bat for you. Right. Two more questions for you. Um, when I used to, when I was pursuing any reviews, I found a very common trend. People would always say, it's got, you just got to believe in yourself. What it comes down to, you just got to, just got to believe in yourself. And I'd always be like, what does that even mean? And so my next question is what does believing in yourself mean to you? Yeah. I hate that saying. I hate that saying. It's so cliche. <laughs> I mean, 
I think oftentimes it's actually like, uh, let's flip it for a second. So believing in yourself, right? It's like trusting in your abilities. But I think actually you you might need to actually be very naive on purpose, thinking that you might be better at something than you really are to actually truly believe in your, it's like believe in the, the self yourself that is the ideal self or yourself like leveled up. Right. And like have the confidence to, to go into that room and you might not know the answer. Right. But I think all, but here's the thing that I do. I'm starting to hate. It's like, it's funny how these circles go. I go like through these trends <laughs> of like, I totally believe in this idea, an idea. And then I like question it dramatically and like come out the other side. Like for instance, fake it till you make it right. Let's talk about figuring they make. <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes, right? Like, you know, who that is Elizabeth Holmes, the one that uh, did the, you know, raised a billion dollars for her start blood startup, but it was all like yeah. a scheme, right? Like, it's like fake it till you make it has a very bad side of it where you right. literally do not know what you're doing and you are stealing people's money, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it is not like a su- it is not a sustainable way to go about life, right? right. But I think it's actually more in the modes of um, being humble about what you don't know and being very open-minded to learning about it, right? Like I am a like I am obsessed with learning about things I have no idea about. Like I went through like in the past year, a year ago, I thought I knew a, a, a little bit about entertainment industry and you know movie production. And, you know, coming in a year later, I I knew nothing back then, right? But I was like very eager to learn and I would listen to podcasts and watch YouTube documentaries and like listen to interviews and like read about it and like be like, how's the script written? How's it, you know, how is this whole thing happen? Like you think, you know, and you have no idea. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, I think comes into being humble about what you don't know and being very transparent about it of like, yo, I don't know how to do movie production. Like I don't like, I could say like, yeah, I know everything about it, but here's what I do know. I am confident in my ability to like learn very quickly. And a lot of that has to do with being honest to myself about what I don't know. Like you cannot fake it till you make it (laughs) when you are in a situation where you actually have to know what you're doing, you know? And so I'd be like, all right, so here's what I think I know. And to someone who does know it. Right. And they're like, okay, well, here's where you're wrong. Here's, and I would just sit for hours. I mean, my friend Paul in this example, like, we sat in a conference room for two weeks every day for like six hours a day on a whiteboard. He just drew out exactly how movies are made. And I was like, whoa, like he's like everything from like plot to character development to movie production. Right. And like, I had no idea. And like, that was even to get like a second grade learning level. Right. And so that I could have gone into that scenario been like, fake it till you make it. I know everything about movie production. And then I just look like an arrogant asshole because when push comes to shove and things are actually, you know, you have to go execute, you have no idea what you're doing. Right. And so I think believing in yourself also comes down to being honest about what you do not know and picking it up so fast <laughs> of being like, yo, I don't know movie production. Go find someone who does go, you know, or go educate yourself on this stuff and, be real with yourself about what you do and don't know. Don't like fake it and be like, yeah, I'm an expert in this and this, like just be super honest with what you don't know. Because then once you're honest about that part, 
then you could actually can go and educate yourself. But if you're continuing to like believe in the fake version of yourself, um, then, you know, you will just run into brick walls. So when I mean like believe in the elevator version of yourself, it's like believe in your potential to learn quickly about new things, less about like believe that you are the best thing ever, even though you're not. Yeah, I love that. My last question is I used to, you know, when I first started this podcast, I used to be like, I'm going to tell you these terms. You're going to like say, I want to see your mindset behind these. But then I felt like I was kind of just being mean. And so I, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, uh, I changed the, the question a little bit um, because just because I feel like obviously you're my brother. I know these stories um, when you were, you know, just starting out and you were told like, why do you care so much? Like stop caring so much about your idea. Stop going the extra mile. Like, why do you work so hard? Stop working so hard. You're too young. You're too inexperienced, whatever. If you just think about what people have told you and it may have affected you, it may have not back then when you're a 23 year old Kyle, didn't really know what he was doing, but was confident in his abilities to learn. If you just think about like how those things made you feel. What would you tell yourself now that you didn't know back then? What would you tell 23 year old Kyle when he's gained tears in his, when he's gained tears in his eyes? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what I would say. And so in, I mean, I was so stressed out about the littlest freaking things back then. And it's so fun because I knew I had an inkling even then that things were small, but they felt so big. Right. Like even then I was like, oh, this is small, but you are so stressed out about it. Right. And so like the thing that put it all in perspective for me, right. Is like the thing that you're doing, right. Unless you're doing something that, you know, is, is, bigger than I can anticipate with this metaphor. You were doing something like I was working on something that took up 1% of 1% of people's days at a max. Like it is like an afterthought to most people when I'm working on it and spending my whole life on for, you know, years on end is something that people don't, will not even remember. And like, like it is in passing, like it's so, small in the grand scheme of things like they don't care like they're i think we all think that the thing we're working on is the most important thing to the people we're working on it for or like the customers or whatever um but like when you zoom out you're like you know you're working on like a billboard right do you think like this billboard is life or death like do you like is it that bit like yeah, a couple tens of thousand people will see that billboard. Will they even, yes, their eyeballs will see it, right? But like then how many of those people will actually like read it? Then how many of those people will actually sink into it? And how many people will actually remember it? And then like when you go down that list, you're like, <laughs> it is so small in the grand scheme of things and you're stressed out over what, yeah. right? And so I think the perspective for me was like, everything feels big when, it's, when you're working on it, you know, 24 hours a day. But the perspective you have to gain is that those 24 hours is like a nanosecond of someone's experience that it is affecting. And so just like it's not as big of a deal. Like now I used to say I've said that before that my friend who works at SpaceX who tries to get people on Mars, like that's a big deal. <laughs> right. But that that company also puts my company in a very different perspective <laughs> of like, oh, they're going to Mars. Like, that was, OK, yes, very big deal. Right. But. In the grand scheme of a lot of things we do on a daily basis, it is so small, right? And so, and it's okay. Like, <clears throat> I think we go into these jobs wanting to, like, you know, change the world and conquer the world. And it's still possible to do, but you can't get stressed out over these small things because, like, you are in, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you know, 
young in your career, like you were in the early chapters of a book that is 20 chapters (laughs) long. Like this is a long game. Like this is a very long game. You were in the first inning. Like Alex, you're in the first inning. (laughs) I'm in like the second inning. Like it is so much longer in this game. I mean, people work until they're like, you know, in their 60s. Like think about that. (laughs) Like they've had 40 years to do this thing, right? And so like, you were in such a you were in the first pitch of the first inning really in this game so like you have to have the mindset of that perspective because yeah if you start fretting over the things like the little things like oh this person doesn't like the email i wrote and like oh it's gonna be the end of my career like your career is so long like you have so much time and so like look at it in the perspective of like it is not that big of a deal like it yes it is important yes you should care but like you got to be comfortable with sometimes throwing a pick because if you just – that comes into the territory of wanting to be great. If you want to be great and you're making these risky passes, you're going to throw interceptions. And, like, you just have to be okay with that. What you cannot afford to do is get gun shy and not throw the risky passes because then you're just going to be stuck in a cubicle the rest of your life. And then you're just like 60 years from now, you're going to be like, ah, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. It's like, yes, keep throwing the risky passes. Yes, go into every day and forget that previous day. And yes, please keep everything in the perspective that this is a long game <laughs> and you were in the first day. Yes. I love that. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Do you have any final thoughts? You're not really on Instagram. You're on Twitter more than Instagram. Don't get jaded. There, there you go. go. I love it. Jaded.